Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hope you've all had a lovely summer. Um, I'm British now, apparently, so I'm talking about the weather as I start my sermon. <laughs> uh, um, and, you know, one of the things I've kind of noticed, of course, um, spending the last 27 years in this country, is that summer is never consistent, right? <laughs> it could be 10 degrees, it could be 35, and everything else in between. For me, uh, our summer was a little bit different this year. Um, a few weeks ago, my family and I went, um, we were in Jamaica, primarily to attend the Thanksgiving service of my father-in-law. Um, so my wife's dad passed away back in June, and, um, and so she went ahead of us and, and left me with the kids. So, you know, uh, I don't know how I survived all that, but, but I'm still here, thank God. And she went, of course, to thought of all the logistics, all the usual kind of thing um, that you have to arrange. There was a tribute service before the Thanksgiving service, and there, there was food, and then there was another party, and then there was all sorts of other things going on um, in Kingston. And by the time we got there, and, and I kind of spent two weeks kind of driving Christine here, there, and everywhere to lawyers' offices and to insurance companies and all that kind of stuff, got a little bit exhausted, and that was just two weeks. <laughs> I can imagine her after about eight or ten weeks there. And um, so we decided to leave the hustle and bustle of Kingston and kind of went to a beach. We, we, we stayed with a family of really, really good friends of ours, and, um, and they were building a townhouse on the north coast of, of the island, and so kind of near the beach, and... Lovely, lovely grounds. It's still building, um, and and there was a small bay at the at the bottom of some of the steps um, that we were at, and we were kind of kind of prepared for it, and we all, all, all kind of changed into our swimwear, and after a short swim, the tiny beach was a complete mess, with footprints everywhere and the kind, kind of toys and and people running up and down. And one of the things that I kind of noticed was that the sand kind of almost separated all over the beach, even though it was just about 10 of us, right? Everywhere was completely, completely messy. And after about an hour or so, when we were um, when we kind of dried off and, and I kind of let everyone else go ahead, because there were cobbled kind of steps going up from the from the beach, going back up to the car park, and because it was still kind of mid-building, um, there were no handrails or anything like that, so I said, you know what, I'll just stay, stay behind them in case anyone kind of falls down, <laughs> not that I can help them anyway, um, and you know, just keep everyone safe. And by the time I started going up, and I kind of turned back up, I kind of, kind of said, you know what, I'm just going to say goodbye to this beach. I don't know how, how much longer I'm going to stay in Jamaica or, or enjoy this kind of time. And one of the things that really struck me was that I noticed that the footprints and all the mess and everything else was completely wiped away. I know many of you have been to beaches and you've probably seen that um, from time to time. 
But that completely messy beach was like new and pristine again. And as I reflected a few days and a few months later, I just thought, you know what, in a sense, that is a picture of total forgiveness. Amen? Amen. Complete, complete forgiveness. There were no more footprints and lines in the sand. It's just a simple picture of a serene beach, as if no one had been there at all. As if almost the beach was completely untouched, even though there were many, many strangers and families and little children running around. And so this morning, we're talking about complete, total forgiveness. It's never easy, is it? We all know how hard it is to forgive others. We all know this. But we often assume that forgiveness from God is almost automatic. And in the passage for today that I'm going to read shortly, we see the author pointed out first that you have to know the despair of guilt. Then you can appreciate the breathless wonder of total forgiveness. Psalm 32, verses 1 to 11, says this. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long, for day and night. Your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. And many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. Amen? Amen. And I think King David penned this song. Um, A lot of the scholars kind of... of semi-agreed that it was um, shortly after his sin with, with Bathsheba. And um, so that very difficult time for him, and he kind of hid his sin. And it wasn't until he acknowledged it that God kind of, you know, just forgave him. And I don't know about you, but do you ever find it difficult to forgive people? We all know that we should do it, right? (laughs) And it's plain and simple. Just forgive someone, right? But it's not that easy, is it? 
And how about forgiving yourself? Not entirely straightforward. A few years ago, I was a, as a senior partner, and I worked with another senior um, leader in the firm. And we got, we got along really, really well, actually, initially, in the first couple of years that I was there. And he, he continued to sing my praises on a few projects that we, that we kind of worked on together. And unfortunately, a few years later, the business went through major, major mayhem, major changes that resulted in a, in a lot of disruption um, across the firm. It was a global institution that I was working with. And there was a big fallout, lots of major, lots of uh, merging between different departments, very large teams, and, and people were, became disgruntled, etc., etc. And there were multiple resignations and redundancies. And that guy became my manager during that time. And unfortunately, my role was made redundant during that time. And unsurprisingly, of course, our relationship suffered. And he made my last few months at that firm extremely difficult. And then a year after I left the firm, his role was made redundant, which was kind of funny at the time. Um, and I know, you know, it's a relatively small industry that I work in, and our paths kind of crossed again a couple of years later at a conference. And I saw him coming towards me, and I was like, okay, <laughs> what do I do now? Um, I mean, you know, we were kind of um, cordial, and we, we talked, spoke to each other. Of course, it wasn't really the same in terms of the initial start or the initial period in our relationship. It was a very challenging time because I couldn't really leave the conference. It was a residential conference. <laughs> so it wasn't an, it was, yeah, yeah, it was a captive audience over, over two, two nights and three days. And I had to spend time in my room praying, Lord, help me to forgive this guy. And this was years later. And I was kind of surprised at myself that I actually didn't just kind of forgive him in the moment, back then, back years before. And I said, do I really have to forgive him? <laughs> but anyway, long story short, I did. But it was a very interesting process that I had to go through. And I felt that it, it was Christ <laughs> who enabled me to be able to do that. Not in my own strength, not in my own spirit, um, or my, whatever I knew that I needed to do. And from that moment on, we became reconciled. We're not chums. <laughs> we're not best friends. But I saw him again even just a few weeks ago. We were able to have a really good, pleasant conversation. And I said, Lord, thank you. you it was a journey over a period of time. The key to forgiving others and yourself is knowing how much God has forgiven you. Amen? If we haven't been forgiven, how can we forgive others? How can we forgive ourselves? Forgiven people must forgive others. As C.S. Lewis pointed out, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable 
because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. As far as forgiving yourself is concerned, C.S. Lewis continued, if God forgives us, we must forgive ourselves. Otherwise, it is almost like setting up ourselves as a higher tribunal than him. Through Jesus, of course, we all know this, that God has made total forgiveness available to you and to me. Total, total forgiveness. And in the psalm, we see the huge difference that God's forgiveness makes. Um, in verses 3 to 4, there was a release from the hand of judgment. David describes the spiritual agony of not being forgiven. He said, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. So much despair. And then in verse 5, then comes the transparency with God. The route to forgiveness is simply to come to the Lord with no mask, no pretenses, no facades. Complete transparency. David said, then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And then you forgave the guilt of my sin. So it is a process. It is a process. And God gives us a fresh start. In the first two verses, David describes the enormous blessing of knowing that you are forgiven. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. Amen? It is so amazing. It is so wonderful to be forgiven. Whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them. And in whose spirit is no deceit. Can you imagine if in your diaries you had various meetings and different engagements, but also sitting alongside those were records of all your sins? <laughs> and every time you look in the diary, uh-oh, oh, I did that, oh, uh-oh. It would be complete disruption, right? And you wouldn't be living a fulfilled life at all. Thankfully, 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 the Lord does not count our sins against us. He acts as though they do not exist. Once we, of course, forgive ourselves, come to Him, and confess our sins. Of course, we know that our sins are, are covered in verse 1. It is as if God gets out His heavenly eraser and just scrubs everything out, just blots everything out over our lives, similar to my Sandy Beach experience uh, um, in, in, in Jamaica. Our, our, our slate is completely wiped clean. And then, of course, knowing that there is forgiveness. And in a sense, forgiveness literally means being removed or being taken away. The pages relating to your sin are completely ripped apart, ripped out of that book of life once you confess your sins. It's a fresh 
fresh start. And in Romans 4, verses 6 to 8, the Apostle Paul quotes this psalm as evidence that through the death of Jesus Christ, for you, God credits you with righteousness by faith, and that forgiveness is not something that you can earn by good works. And again, you, you, know, you know, if you've been a Christian for many years, you know this. We know this. But a lot of times it's, we don't remember, <laughs> or we're just too busy thinking, to, to think about it, and relationships come and go, and you have thorny conversations with people, and before you know it, there's just unforgiveness, and there's bitterness, and there's hatred, and there's everything kind of creeps back in. And we have to be really intentional, really, really intentional, to actively think about these things. Whether it's the beginning of a day, or middle, or, or, or during the night, or whatever it is, just kind of reflecting and meditating. How did my day go? How did someone react to what I said? They didn't really give me the right kind of vibe. Did I hurt them? What did I say? It's always good to have meaningful relationships. Not just something that is, that is shallow. And in that way, whenever something comes up, whenever a thorny issue comes up, we can actively and proactively just deal with the situation head on. Amen? One of the things that I'm reminded of is that forgiveness, of course, is not earned by good works. It comes to the person who trusts in Christ by faith. A proper understanding of the Old Testament kind of shows that the path to our forgiveness, to your forgiveness, is repentance and faith. And for sure, forgiveness is not a reason to continue sinning. And again, we all know this. It's not an incentive to sin. We want to stay on God's path, and he promises that he will guide you. In verse 8, he said, David said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Isn't that refreshing? Isn't that so refreshing? You know, your life is a complete mess. And God says, just confess. And I'll just forgive you. And everything will be just completely scrubbed out. I will instruct you and teach you. And I will counsel you. And I'll watch over you. And I'll continue to guide you. And God doesn't, in verse 9, God doesn't want you to be difficult to guide like a horse. Or a mule. He wants you to avoid the pain of resisting the Holy Spirit. Amen? So finally, as we kind of wrap up somewhat, take time today to thank Jesus for dying for you. Jesus paid a very high price for our forgiveness. And we know that forgiveness is not at all easy. But Jesus made it possible. 
not just in one way, in a hundred different ways. But just mentioning three ways, of course, we all know this. Again, he died, he died on the cross for us. Secondly, he was forsaken because of our sins. Jesus Christ cried out shortly before he took his last breath, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was completely forsaken, or at least he felt forsaken. And then thirdly, the third price that Christ paid for our forgiveness. He opened the way, he opened the door for forgiveness and entry into the presence of God. The curtain of the temple was completely split in two. It was separated from, of course, the curtain of, you know, separated people from the presence of God. And that curtain was torn supernaturally by God from top to bottom. It was around 60 feet high and at least one or two inches thick. And the fact that it was torn from top to bottom emphasizes that it was God who caused it to be torn. So as we turn to communion, it's a time, of course, for us to examine our own hearts of any unforgiveness and examine the state of our own relationship with God. For me, for you, let's sing. <laughs>